Number 1. This happened around 1971 or 1972, when my mother was about 14 or 15 years old. The incident occurred in a heavily wooded area near Montevallo, Alabama. My mother is the oldest of five children. She has three sisters and a brother who's the baby of the family. One weekend in the cooler months of the fall, my grandfather decided to take the whole family out for target practice with a rifle. That included my grandmother, my mother, and all of the aunts and uncles. My mother grew up quite poor, and they didn't always live in the best of neighborhoods, so my grandfather wanted to teach the kids how to defend themselves with a rifle if need be. Like I said, it was later in the fall, so the trees were bare, and there were lots of leaves on the ground. The wooded area was just off a dirt road, so this was a fairly rural area they were in. Since it was so far off the beaten path, my grandfather became startled when he heard the roar of a car engine so deep in the woods. My mother remembers the car as being a blue Ford Galaxy, something a little like this. Despite the fact that my grandfather had a gun, he totally freaked out and told my grandma and the kids to hide under a pile of leaves in the woods. He hid with them. The man in the driver's seat got out, dragged a woman's body out of the car, and just dumped her there in the woods and drove away. After my grandfather was sure that the man had left, everyone came out of hiding, and the woman who had been dragged out of the car sat up and stared them straight in the face. She was wearing a wig and a pair of eyeglasses. My mother and her whole family were relieved to see that she was still alive. My grandfather asked the woman if she needed help, but she said no, and that she'd be fine. She didn't appear to be injured, and obviously didn't want help. She hadn't put up a fight with the man when she was dragged out of the car, so she must have known the guy. Either way, my grandfather cut the shooting lesson short and decided to rush the kids home, just to be on the safe side. On the trail back to the dirt road where my grandfather had parked the car, they passed the man in the blue Ford Galaxy, driving out of the woods. My mum looked over, and noticed that he had a huge machete laying across the front seat beside him. My grandfather made sure that the man could see he was carrying a rifle but everyone was careful not to give away what they had just seen. The man struck up small talk with my grandfather, asking him about what they were doing out in the woods. My grandfather explained that he had just taken the whole family out for target practice. The man told him to have a nice day, and continued driving. The next day, my grandfather went back out to the same spot in the woods. There wasn't a body there, However, he did find the woman's wig, her purse, some Kleenex, and a pair of glasses. He collected the items and took them home. My mother became hysterical when he walked in the door carrying that stuff. She started screaming, he killed that lady. My grandfather ended up taking the items to the police station. It turns out that that area of the woods was known for having shallow graves and being a dumping site for bodies. Early the next morning, as soon as my grandmother arrived at work, she called my mum just before the kids left for school. She told them not to take the bus that day, 
and that she would come home and pick them up, and that she would be home soon. On her way to work, she noticed the same Ford Galaxy waiting at the kids' bus stop. My mother never heard anything else about it after that. Number 2 This happened at Christmas a couple of years ago, when I was spending the holidays with my parents and my little brother, as well as my cousins, aunts, and uncles. We live in a suburb of Ontario, but we were venturing out into the woods for Christmas, an idea that my parents had had for a while. They always loved the idea of being out in a hunting cabin during Christmas with the family. I'm 22 years old, but at the time, I was newly 18, and my little brother, Tom, was 11. We're really close, and we do everything together. We also had a dog, a German shepherd named Trigger. He came along for the ride, too. He's a real softie, but can be really overprotective, especially with my brother. We left from our house on Christmas Eve at about 2pm and climbed into our dad's truck, which was filled with all of our stuff and presents for the extended family. Tom and I were really excited, winding each other up, and my parents were having friendly conversation as we moved along the road. We arrived at the village close to where the cabins were, and caught up with my dad's sister, along with her husband and three kids. They didn't converse for long, but Billy was unsure of where to go from the village to get to the cabins, so my dad helped out by writing down the directions. We soon got back on our way, and arrived at the cabins at around 4pm. There was a cluster of them sort of spaced out around the woods. Each family had their own cabin, and there was one where everyone could meet up, which had a pool table, a swimming pool, all sorts. It was kind of the place we could all just chill together and enjoy each other's company. The weather was already really cold when we arrived, and the snow was falling all around us. My dad started a fire while my mum prepared dinner. The Christmas decorations were already up, and we played a few board games as the night got darker. My dad, Tom and I decided before coming on this trip that at some point we'd go hunting, so we planned to go the next day. I'd been a few times with my dad, but this was Tom's first time. He was only there to watch though, as he was too young to shoot. It reached around 10pm, and my brother and I were getting a bit tired, so we decided to head to bed. My dad kept his rifles in a bag, which he kept under the bed I was sleeping on. He'd usually keep it locked up in a box, but thought there was no point since we were going hunting in the morning anyway. Tom and I were sharing a room at the end of the cabin, facing a flowing river. The view was beautiful. Tom and I fell asleep, with our dog Trigger lying at the bottom of Tom's bed. It was about 3am when I awoke to the sound of Trigger growling. I didn't find this particularly unusual, because my dad suffers from insomnia, so sometimes when he can't sleep, he sits in our sitting room at home and watches some TV. Like I said, Trigger is extremely overprotective, and growls at any noise he hears. But that's when I noticed, there was no light coming from under our door. My dad never just sits in the dark. I whispered to Trigger, 
telling him to be quiet as Tom slept. But his growling soon turned to barking, which woke Tom up. He asked me what was going on, but I said Trigger must have heard some deer or something outside. After all, we were in the middle of the woods. Suddenly, our bedroom door swung open and the light switch was turned on. My eyes stung as they tried to focus on whoever was standing in our door. It was our dad. Were you two laughing just now? He asked as I turned to look at Tom. I replied no as he moved over towards our curtain, pulling it back as he looked out into the pitch black wilderness. What are you looking at? Our dad closed the curtains again. Nothing, just go back to sleep. I was kind of creeped out that my dad didn't say anything about what he was doing, but he turned our light off and we tried to fall back asleep again. Of course, I couldn't. I was wide awake the rest of the night, flinching at pretty much every noise. It was about 4.30am when I finally drifted off, but it must have been only moments later that I heard strange, crunching noises outside our window. I was sure this wasn't an animal. It sounded like footsteps. I had this overwhelming feeling of fear, and I pulled the covers up over my face, sweat beginning to pour over my forehead. I then heard a faint tapping on our window, which lasted a good few minutes. I was so petrified I couldn't move. Trigger was awake by this point, and I saw his face turn towards the window, his ears pointed and listening intently. The tapping started again, but louder this time, causing Trigger to bare his teeth. A deep and husky voice whispered, I know you're in there, little guy. Why don't you come out here and play with me? Initially, I was filled with rage. I thought that it was bound to be one of our cousins playing a trick, so I leaned forward and peeked out a gap in our curtain, ready to give them hell for scaring the shit out of us. But standing there wasn't any of our cousins. It was a creepy old man who looked to be about sixty, his hair matted and his clothes dirty and ancient. He was stroking the window with his hands, breathing on it as he spoke. I went into protective mode. I didn't know what else to do, so I grabbed my dad's hunting rifle from under my bed and pulled the curtain back. Get the hell out of here, or I will shoot. I felt adrenaline rushing through me as the creepy man's eyes widened and the most terrifying smile appeared across his face. Trigger began barking louder than I've ever heard him bark. My parents obviously heard the commotion, and came running through to our room, turning the light on. My mum screamed as she saw the old man through the window, Trigger fiercely continuing to bark. My dad yelled at the man, telling him that the police were on their way. The man legged it back into the woods. Tom was petrified, but I was angry more than anything else. How could some sicko do this? I was just extremely glad I had the rifle. The cops caught the guy not long after. I found out a couple of days later that the creepy man was homeless and living in the woods, and was suffering from a lot of mental issues. 
It scares me to death to think about what could have happened to my brother had I not been there with the gun. We spent the remainder of Christmas Day at the cabin, but we stayed in our Aunt Billy's cabin overnight. There was no way we were sleeping on our own after what happened. We went home first thing on Boxing Day and never looked back. My dad only told me the other day that he knew someone was hanging around our cabin, so he intentionally left the rifle under my bed, just in case I needed to use it in self-defense. He did that because he didn't want to scare any of us. He called the cops as soon as he heard the laughing outside his window, and the man singing nursery rhymes. He knew it would take a while for the cops to reach the cabin. Number 3 I grew up on the outskirts of a small southern town, and so I spent most days of my summer vacations prowling the woods close to my home. About a half-hour walk from my house, down dirt roads and overgrown deer trails, there was a sandy stretch of beach along a creek. Since it was so far removed from civilization, and since I had never seen another soul out there at the creek, I would often strip down naked and swim in the water to cool down in the summer sun. When I was a young girl, about eight or nine years old, I had gone down to my secret beach to go skinny dipping. I spent all morning there, watching herons and splashing in the water. Suddenly, I began to hear the sounds of something large forcing its way through the undergrowth upstream aways. I was frozen, standing naked in the middle of the creek as two men emerged from the woods. They were much older than me, probably in their thirties. Something about the way they were dressed scared me. Anyone who spent a lot of time in the woods knows the danger of thorn vines and brambles, but these guys were dressed in flip-flops, cargo shorts and wife beaters. They were filthy and covered in scratches across their arms and legs, looking as if hiking through the woods hadn't ever been their agenda. I had left my clothes in an untidy pile on the bank, but to grab them, I would have had to move much closer to the men. As I frantically tried to think of a way of getting my clothes back without alerting these guys, one of them turned and locked eyes with me. I grew up around southern manors, Seeing as I was a naked little girl trying to cover myself with my hands, I would have expected him to avert his gaze. But all he did was elbow his buddy in the ribs, point at me, and whisper something beyond my hearing. When they both turned and began to advance towards me, malicious grins on their faces, I officially lost my shit. Luckily, years of spending all of my free time in the woods paid off. Forgetting modesty, I turned and ran at breakneck speed for the closest downstream deep channel. As I dove into the water, I could hear the men yelling and splashing behind me, trying desperately to catch up. I had always been at home in the water, and at this moment, I swam as if my life depended on it, which it very well might have. I knew exactly where I needed to go. Earlier that summer, I had discovered what I thought of as my secret hiding spot. The banks were rocky and sheer on both sides of the creek. I had been watching muskrats swimming in the water, 
and had seen one swim through hanging kudzu vines into what I thought was solid stone. Upon pulling back the vines and scaring the shit out of the muskrats, I found an open space under an overhang of rock. I'd always loved hiding, and was immediately smitten with such a perfectly camouflaged spot. But weeks later, in this moment, I thought of it as my best hope. As I came close to my hiding spot, I ducked down and swam underneath to my hole in the stone. I only surfaced once I was safely behind my curtain of kudzu vines. I waited there for several minutes, trying to silence my heavy breathing and slow my rampaging heartbeat, until I heard the sounds of heavy crashing through the underbrush. I screamed a little, but thankfully had clamped a hand over my mouth in time to muffle it. As the sounds of snapping twigs and rustling leaves got closer, I could hear the men panting and cursing under their breath. It sounded as if they were walking on the edge of the bank a few feet above me. After they had moved down a ways, I heard a thud on the ground and an angry yell, as if one of the men had tripped and fallen. Another voice shushed him and said something that made me tremble. Shut up, she'll hear you. I had never been more terrified than that moment. I cried silently pressing my back against the rock and praying they would never find me. Even after I heard their footsteps continuing down the bank and into silence, I remained hidden behind the kudzu. I stayed there, delirious with fear and shivering in the water, until the sun had begun to dip low in the sky. I finally began to make my way back to my clothes and go home picking my way along the deer trails that would let me move as silently as possible. When I had gotten close to the beach, I stayed hidden in the undergrowth, and watched for several minutes to make sure those two slime balls weren't anywhere nearby. Although I had found several footprints circling my clothes and pacing along the bank, the guys were nowhere to be seen. My shirt and jeans were still there, but my panties were gone. I threw on my clothes and ran the whole way home. I never told my mother about what happened at the creek because I knew she would ban me from ever going into the woods. I never saw those guys again, nor did I ever see anyone else down at that stretch of the beach after that. But needless to say, I never went skinny dipping again. Number 4 I volunteer with a wildlife conservation group. In a nutshell, we patrol some pretty out-of-the-way areas, and sometimes stay the night in the forest. In the fall of 2014, I was showing two brand new recruits around this really isolated area. We drove in on an old logging trail, and by the time we got there it was nearing dark. The actual spot I was showing them was about a 20 minute hike. When we eventually got there, one of them, an 18-year-old female, decided to come with me, while the other, a 19-year-old male, stayed in the truck because he wasn't comfortable walking through the woods in the dark. This was volunteer work, so whatever. I walked down to a river with one of the recruits. Using flashlights, we took a quick look. 
but when we got back a little under an hour later, the guy who stayed behind in the truck was just staring at us, like we were crazy or something. He began asking us about where we went with a terrified look on his face. I pointed in the direction of where we went, and he simply said, No, and pointed to the other side of the trail. He told us we were walking through the woods back there as he pointed to the woods opposite us. Because he was a little on edge before and it was dark, I assumed he just saw an animal or something. I assured him that it was nothing, and after a few awkward moments, we decided to head off. Not much further down the trail, we came across a fair-sized tree in the road that definitely wasn't there before. He began exclaiming things like, I told you so, there's something else out here. Beginning to feel a little uneasy myself, I began to slow down and reached for my door handle to get out and take a look at our obstacle. When through the dim light coming from the taillights of our truck, I clearly saw someone jumping from the bush behind us and sprinting for the truck. I began cursing as I hit the gas and ran our truck over the tree sending everything in the cab flying everywhere. Both of the rookies were yelling as I sped down the horribly unkempt logging trail. Eventually, I slowed down, and we drove back to the office in complete silence. By the time we got back, it was around 1.30am. I called up one of the group managers and explained what happened. I was called the next day and informed both recruits had quit. To this day, I have no idea what that was about. I choose to believe it was some kind of late-night logger who was just as surprised as we were. That's the only explanation that lets me sleep at night. Hi guys, Lazy here, and thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed these stories from Out in the Woods. Uh, I thought they were quite creepy, you know, um, my friend, he, he lives in a place that's really close to this creepy wood, but we always had fun there, you know, we'd play some BB guns and good times, good times. <laughs> How about you guys? Do you guys live near any creepy woods? Have any experiences? Let me know down in the comments. Smash that like button, or I'll smash you, and, uh, oh, cheeky, and um, I'll have another video for you guys very soon. So until then, stay spooky, and remember... The best things happen in the dark. We left from our house on Christmas Eve at about 2pm and climbed into our dad's truck. <sighs> truck, truck. My dad's truck. My dad's truck. <laughs> we live in a suburb of Ontario. Ontario. We live in a suburb of Ontario. We live in a... <laughs> I can't say Ontario. <clears throat> We live in a suburb of Ontario, but we were venturing out into the woods for Christmas.